to the Modern Law Revolution podcast, sponsored by the Colorado Bar Association and featuring successful and happy lawyers who are revolutionizing the practice of law in Colorado. Um, I am one of your co-hosts, Erica Holmes, uh, founder of EL Holmes Legal Solutions, a modern law practice focusing on family law and attorney ethics and regulation. I am the inaugural chair of CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative. And another fact about me um, in regard to the topic for today's show is that I offer almost exclusively unbundled services in my practice, um, the other part being a little bit of subscription. Hi, everyone. I am Lauren Lester, founder of Lester Law and co-founder of On Purpose Legal Network. I'm also a past chair of the CBA's Modern Law Practice Initiative, and I'm super excited to be filling the very big shoes of JP and co-hosting today's podcast all about unbundling, which is also one of my favorite things and a big part of my practice. Well, Ms. Lauren, um, since you will be co-hosting a few of the upcoming podcasts that we um, that are coming up, um, while JP is hip deep in merino wool, um, trying to prepare the kiddos for some winter fun, um, why don't you share with our listeners your journey um, to becoming a modern lawyer so they get to know you a little bit better? Absolutely. I'd be happy to. So law is a second career for me. I was a project manager in the web development space for about a decade, uh, but always wanted to run my own business and had that entrepreneurial spirit. So the law was a really great uh, opportunity for me to start that business, but still be able to pivot if I picked a practice area that I wasn't particularly fond of. Luckily, I fell into family law and have loved it since I've started. Uh, But as I was building my practice uh, about five years ago and chatting with other practitioners, I realized that the traditional way that law firms were built and run um, was a way that I couldn't be a consumer of. And I didn't feel in good conscience that I could develop a business that I couldn't be my own client. Uh, So I looked for different ways to approach the practice and um, implemented flat fee billing and a lot of tech, which is my guilty pleasure, uh, and just really tried to meet um, consumers where they were at and not create a one-size-fits-all solution. So it's been a really great journey, and I love chatting about it and chatting with other modern lawyers um, who are, are doing things just a little bit differently. So, of course, Ms. Lauren is being all modest um, and leaving out what I consider to be one of her um, strongest attributes is that um, coming out of law school, she immediately started her own firm and doing it completely different than anyone else in Colorado. In fact, she is my mentor and has taught me how to do modern law. So you just kind of skipped over that part. So MLPI's mission is to revolutionize the practice of law by teaching lawyers how to build thriving law practices, offering innovative, client-centered, and cost-effective legal services. A huge tool in the modern law toolbox uh, for doing this is offering unbundled services which is why it is the focus of part three of our series on revolutionizing your billing practice. And it is entitled The Wonders of Unbundling. So today we have two amazing guests all the way from Iowa uh, to tell us about their incredible journey with this business concept. Um, But two quick disclaimers uh, before we start uh, today's interview is one, don't worry that their experience is in Iowa. Iowa's laws appear to be very similar to Colorado's and I'll be jumping in during the show to let you know um, what applies and what wouldn't apply. Um, And the second disclaimer is that I give you fair warning. These ladies are inspiring. Um, They are the only people I know that use more exclamation points in their emails than I do. 
Um, they are going to knock your socks off today with the wonders of unbundling. So you have fair warning that you are just going to want to run out and do this as soon as is the podcast ends. So um, Lauren, would you do us the honors of introducing our special guests? Absolutely. Um, so I'm very excited to welcome Amy Skogerson, who practices as a collaborative attorney and mediator working primarily in the areas of family law and public utility. And I will let Amy give a brief background of her history and how she came to be one of the founders of the law shop in Iowa. Well, thank you so very much, Lauren. Yes, um, so I've been practicing law for about 18 years here in Iowa. I went to Creighton for law school. Uh, I have kind of been in and out of a few different firms, different partnerships, and frankly, I had sworn it all off until Andrea walked into my life. <laughs> it was a solo at the time. Um, and Andrea uh, and I uh, um, together feel like we've somehow hit upon something that's creating a little magic and uh, hopefully making a difference in the world, which was really our goal. Um, for myself personally, uh, professional organizations, you named it, I've, you name it, I've probably served on it in some capacity. Um, I also do a fair amount of volunteer work, but then I really love adventure. So uh, we think kind of the personal aspect of, of life is sometimes uh, needs to be balanced with the work too. So uh, a little about me, uh, my husband and I, my husband's from Idaho, we're obsessed with the mountains there. Uh, we love to make as many trips there as possible. Of course, Colorado being a mountainous state, I'm a pretty big fan of that as well. Um, and uh, I'll try anything if it involves adventure. There you go. That's, <laughs> That's perfect. And as Amy mentioned, Andrea McGinn is her partner and the co-founder of The Law Shop. Andrea dubs herself as a collaborative attorney, mediator, peacemaker um, as well. And Andrea, I'll turn it over to you to give us a little bit of history of how you became the co-founder of The Law Shop and got hooked up with Amy. Thank you. Yes. Um, I am Andrea McGinn, as she said, co-founder of The Law Shop. I am a graduate of the University of Iowa and for my undergrad and majored in uh, psychology there and with a minor in Spanish. Um, I moved to my home of Des Moines after attending the University of Iowa and graduated from Drake Law School. Um, besides then specializing in offering unbundled legal services, uh, my uh, other endeavors include um, serving on the Iowa Association for Justice um, the Iowa Domestic Abuse Death Review Team, the Iowa Child Protection Council, um, and I am currently Vice Chair of the Iowa uh, Bar Association Family and Juvenile Law Section. I've got uh, two little boys at home, and uh, so uh, we're both um, pretty thrive on being pretty busy people <laughs> here, but um, we love it. So um, we're excited to dive in here today with you all. Wonderful. Well, we are very excited to chat with you ladies and so excited that you're here. Um, as we can easily tell with the short glimpse, you are very um, busy and have a lot going on. Um, but how did the law shop sort of naturally grow out of your lives and how did the two of you meet and come together and think that this was a, the way that you wanted to practice law? So um, we do have a story of kind of how we met that is we think pretty cute. It's been it's been in print before uh, with our uh, Iowa lawyer magazine. But rather than bore you with all the details of that, we'll kind of tell you how the law shop itself came about. Um, Andrea and I met when she was actually first she was a law student, and um, she actually came to me and made a proposal in essence to me that she wanted to clerk for me, and I wasn't even hiring frankly, um, but she wanted to clerk for me and just kind of learn from me. She had seen 
seen some of my practice and my style. And then uh, that led to her, she also wanted to, after uh, she passed the bar exam, open her own solo practice, which she did. And she killed it and did a great job. But we both just kept seeing that there were such a huge uh, number of people in our own community that just law, legal services was just either it was either out of reach or it was unattractive for some reason to them and so we started attending uh, more and more CLEs on unbundled legal services and with really what that was all about and uh, did went to some trainings and some various um, like national and international CLEs and really it kind of came to us in an epiphany uh, at one of those uh, events we happened to be in Boston at the time and we said maybe we could combine forces both of us having been solo attorneys with no staff for quite some time at that point and uh, we came up with the concept of the law shop and it, it was born we came back we started a, a new entity together and we really spent a lot of time focusing on if this is going to work you know, how is it going to work how are we going to sell it how are we going to price it how are we going to market it how are we going to structure just things amongst ourselves and um, one of the best things that we did actually was we really listened to other people uh, on the national and international scene and listened to what they were doing that was successful and then kind of pulled parts and pieces together uh, for the law shop. And uh, when we found that we were you know, stuck on something, we reached out again to those experts. We paid for their time. We said, can we spend an hour with you to just kind of bend your ear and get your expertise? Uh, and now we're doing the same for other attorneys and it's, it's pretty awesome. So it was really just a shared vision of how can we really change the face of uh, what what the public sees and has access to as far as legal services it's no longer that you come in the door you tell your story and i you know quote you a very high retainer price that is for me to do every single aspect of your case and really you're putting down an awful lot of money on something that you don't even really know what you're getting so now uh, we have really healthy discussions with our clients about what we can do and what they what choices they have so as far as how we came about, um, I told Andrew today I was going to try to do shorter answers, and once again, I've already failed. But, <laughs> but nonetheless, um, yeah, how it came together, just I think it was helpful that we got to kind of watch each other practice for several years first, and we knew we both had the fire and the work ethic and the, mm -hmm. what it was going to take to really put something together that was new. Right. And, and Andrea, it's, it's very impressive and inspiring that you seem to have had that vision as a 1L, which is like unheard of, but then even to come out of law school and jump right in. Um, how did, where did that come from or, or what inspired you or sort of what pieces came together where you were like, this is the direction I want to go in. I want to be more forward thinking. I want to almost change the practice on how we traditionally do it. And then sort of led you to meet Amy and, and got the ball rolling? Oh gosh, I don't, that's, that's a hard question to answer. So I have always been kind of a, a challenger, I guess, and a dream dreamer. And um, I, when I actually, when we tell the story of how Amy and I um, really first met face to face the first time um, was at a meet and greet at our uh, Iowa State Bar Association. And I had had my eye on her already but because I had seen how she practices. And I was like, I want to I want to practice like that. That's how I want to do it, you know. And uh, so I think this was like my 2L year then that we sat, I sat down in front of her. 
uh, at this meet and greet. And that was the whole reason why I went there was because I knew she was going to be there. And I sat down and, and I said, I, uh, I want to change the world. I want to change how we practice law and, uh, and how we can help these people. And I know that you're going to be the person to help me do that. And uh, she's like, well, I don't really want to hire an associate right now, but maybe we can work something out. She definitely did. <laughs> so, and then the rest is kind of history as far as what she just explained to you guys. But I, uh, I mean, we all go to law school, I think, to, because we want to help people. And um, that is, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to help as many people as I could. And um, frankly, I wanted to have fun while doing it, which doesn't really sound very lawyerly, but um, we do. We get, by doing Unbundled, we get to uh, help so many more people and touch so many more lives and families. Um, and we get to have fun while we do it. And so it's just, it's been spectacular and influencing and getting to know uh, our colleagues around the state and around the United States and in Canada recently then too, um, and kind of spreading the word of unbundling and how incredible it can be and how many people it can help has just been uh, super fun and very enjoyable. So absolutely. Um, I hear you both wanted to change the world in terms of how you practice law. So how did you narrow that passion into how did unbundling become the focus of that passion or the, the avenue that you use to change the way you practice law? I, I definitely like the um, the target market is just so huge. I mean, it's just so huge. Once we started hearing at the national level and the international level what the real statistics are that somewhere between sixty and ninety five percent of litigants and family law matters are unrepresented these days, we thought, oh my goodness, let's just say that we're on the low and let's just say Iowa has sixty percent unrepresented. Mm -hmm holy smokes, we're competing for 40% of the market when no one's paying attention to what's happening with the other 60%, all of whom we could be serving. Mm -hmm. And that's why we've never really been afraid of competition for one, because we're not, it's not really our style, but um, on this stuff anyway, but, <laughs> but for two, because it was like, there's no way we could even handle that many clients. And so let's learn, let's learn how to be really good at it. And then let's, you know, once we kind of, I wouldn't say we've mm -hmm. totally mastered it, but once we've had come so far, it just made sense to teach more people so that we could just expand that in, uh, in the community. So uh, change the world, I think it was sort of a generic concept in the beginning, but once we started uh, just sort of paying attention to where is that market that's not being served and why are they not being served? Because it's not the, it's a lot of times not the reason that we all thought. I think Unbundled in the past has had a bad rep <clears throat> because it's always been told to us, do this for low income. And yes, it helps low income. There's no question about it. Um, but 60% or more of the people who utilize unbundled legal services can afford legal counsel, but they're choosing not to use attorneys. And we have to say, why is that? And it's because they view us as making the fight worse, that we stir the pot and not letting our clients have enough of a role in their own cases. Mm -hmm. So um, really, I mean, it's just, I've, I've often told this, uh, just, I guess, the, the brief facts of my own first unbundled situation. Uh, I worked with, uh, with a, a, a spouse going through a divorce and the two of them, uh, each of them made 
over a hundred thousand a year, they in Iowa, that's going to get you plenty of legal services, but they had chosen to use pro se forms available for free through our Supreme court website, fill them all out by hand, get all the way through. And they couldn't get it finished because there was no way for them to, to do a child support worksheet. And so they came in and uh, so one of the spouses came in and I did a child support worksheet and the other spouse was so pleased. It was like, well, why don't you see if she'll do our settlement agreement? And I mean, they had retirement and real estate and things that pro se forms really aren't designed for. And, um, and so then I ended up being hired to do that. And I made as much, if not more than I would have made anyway on an hourly rate to just, just give a flat fee and just do that service. So it was just sort of, uh, I guess I think the idea of changing the world, it was generic in the beginning, but ultimately um, it just sort of it narrowed itself as we started paying attention to what the market is demanding. What would you say between the two of you or each of you that your favorite things about now that you've switched totally to unbundling, what are your favorite things about it and how does it compare to when you maybe had a more traditional practice? We often uh, like to say our kind of um, unofficial, I guess, mission <laughs> kind of statement for the law shop is that we like to, our, our goal is to help our clients, our colleagues, and ourselves live our very best lives. And so what we, I'll kind of touch on our favorite things um, are linked to those, right? So our favorite things about unbundling then, it's uh, our clients, uh, we get to help so many more people, as we said before. Um, and we get to hear their story. We get to insert ourselves in uh, their legal matter where we met, where it's the most valuable, um, where it will get them the most, um, the most assistance and, and, and just be so much more valuable for them. Um, and it, uh, it really helps ourselves then, uh, as I said before, we like to have fun. Um, we are able to, by enforcing, I mean, I think of unbundling with, with attorneys then uh, flexing your boundary muscles. Um, you so many times, I mean, it's really about boundaries and making sure that those boundaries are firm with your clients too. Um, because if you're only doing one service here and there or whatever, you know, you have to make sure that those lines are clear on what exactly you're doing for them. And by flexing, continuing to flex those boundary muscles with your clients, you are also creating so much more freedom for yourself too. Um, and so you're not just in all of these dog cases with no end in sight all the time, you know, that, uh, that are, you know, 2% of your cases causing 80% of your stress all the time, right? So it, it really, really helps us then to be able to walk away um, to be able to have more of a kind of work-life balance. Um, Amy talks about it and I'll let her jump in here in just a minute on that aspect too. Um, but as far as our colleagues as well, we, uh, we frequently host um, with COVID lately, not as much. We need to get on our virtual um, workshops, but um, we host workshops then here at, um, at the law shop for uh, attorneys that all around the Midwest so far, really, that uh, they come and they learn what we do and they learn kind of um, how we do it. Spreading that word, the word to our colleagues about um, what it is to unbundle, what incorporating uh, that into your practice um, can do for you and for your clients and, and for your bottom line, frankly, too, it is really uh, creates that ripple effect, too, that I'm like, you know, even if out of these 12 lawyers <laughs> in this room today, that one of them takes this home and actually <clears throat> implements it into their practice, do you know how many then uh, litigants they're going to reach by doing that? How many more of that, you know, percentage of unrepresented people, what would, would have been an unre unrepresented population? 
that they're now reaching and helping. Like that's awesome to think about, right? So that's it's super exciting. And so, and I also think with regards to the colleagues that by notifying and, and informing the public that this is an option, right? That you have options when you go to attorney, an attorney, that you don't have to say, well, here's a $10,000 retainer. Do what you can with it. Help me with this, right? Uh, you have, they know what to expect. They know what they're getting. They have options. They're more in control of what you're doing for them. That's going to really change the perception of attorneys too with the public, which is one reason, you know, why uh, there is that such high population of unrepresented people too, I think, is that some of they are the, we don't have the best reputations all the time, right? And so they think we're going to fuel the fight or, or whatever, right? Um, and so by, by doing that and offering these options, it really, I think, will help um, in the long run to um, better inform the public and, and better help uh, them understand what we can do for them and what we can offer them too. In terms of, I'm going to use the same categories that Andrea did, which is clients, as far as three favorites, clients, colleagues, ourselves. In terms of clients, the level of satisfaction amongst our clients is just through the roof. I mean, they are so thrilled because sometimes they're coming to us where they've already talked to many other lawyers, all of whom have said, I need X number of dollars down. Um, and we understand why those attorneys need that money down. I mean, we're in the same boat running a business, um, but they, we are able to just help a much higher volume of people in much smaller increments and get paid 100% of the time, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. But our, you know, when I think there's, almost been this feeling amongst attorneys, at least in the family law arena, of like, where did all the reasonable people go? Okay, I'm gonna tell you they're at the law shop. <laughs> because <laughs> we've got them, and in, we've got them in spades. They are so happy to just even, they're, <clears throat> it's not really surprising to clients that there are options, it's surprising to lawyers. Um, but the, the clients, I, you know, they've, they've, they've tried to find representation in other places a lot of times, uh, and just no one would, would really even work with them on any scale. Uh, sometimes they're coming to us from lawyers that have actually directly referred them to us because the lawyer said, well, I don't think I can make money on it. And they've sent them our way and we're like, gosh, it's like the easiest money you just passed up. So, so we'll take them. So, but, but really we're just, the, the clients are just so satisfied and so happy. I, when we started, um, and, and this'll come into the money discussion later too, but when we started, you know, we were two solo attorneys. That's it, no staff, nothing. We combined forces as the two of us. We've now been in business for three years and we have five lawyers, two staff, two and a half staff, and, and, and we can't keep up. I mean, we, we just have that, that high a volume of people calling in all the time. And we are in a small town that is probably 10 miles from the closest metro. Um, so we do have a metro area with Des Moines that's close, but we have clients coming to us from two or three hours away. We have been Zooming before Zooming was cool because we had to, because they were calling from so far, they would, they'll pass over hundreds, literally hundreds of attorneys in Des Moines to get to us because we're the only, we were the only people offering this way of practicing. So pretty huge. Um, Briefly on uh, our colleagues, uh, in that we not only include, include um, those that we uh, have workshops with us, but also we are, uh, have seen beautiful things with the court system from this, that our judges love it because we are getting, it's getting to the place where the pro se motion days or pro se hearing days, because pro se's are getting stuck because they, it, it, it's not, and it's not because they're not intelligent, but the, the legal process is not simple. <clears throat> 
So these pro se litigants are getting stuck and then the judges have to set hearings. And of course they can't give legal advice. The clerk's office can't give legal advice. And so we just end up with all these massive uh, hearing days for pretty much all pro se litigants to the extent that we've had judges both in Iowa and other states say, if you don't think that this is as big of a problem as it is, I will tell you that soon you won't be able to get in as a lawyer for a trial for your own case cut for a very long time because we're so bogged down with pro se litigants. And so uh, that's, it's just a really huge piece that access to justice is a problem for our whole country. We all know that. Um, this, is a, this is probably, I think right now anyway, the best way we know how to alleviate that problem. Mm -hmm. um, and it helps our courts, it helps our judges. Um, one judge told us once that um, five minutes of quality lawyer time on a case in the right spot mm -hmm. can save hours for the court. It's been the same reception in Colorado um, that, and, and I clerked for like four years and I thought the judges were going to hate this because yeah. they, they want the full package mm -hmm. and the, the Colorado rules are set up um, in terms of the uh, Colorado rules for civil procedure and also the ethical rules are set up for this. The judges and the courts love it. Exactly yeah. what you said, like just a tiny bit of like advice behind the scenes, like they can totally tell in court, it makes everything flow. So don't be afraid um, that judges um, are going to uh, in any way, not like what you're, what you're doing. Um, you actually become like the little darlings of the judges. Um. Uh, yes. <laughs> I'm so glad that you mentioned that, Erica, because we would agree with every word of that 100%. Yeah. Um, it is just, uh, it's been pretty awesome. And I think one of the fears, probably maybe there, we find there are two sort of top fears for attorneys considering unbundling. One of them is, um, is the, the financial side that we'll talk about later, but the other is the ethical side, that, uh, that lawyers are afraid, judges will not let them out, that they will not let them out of the case, and won't honor their limited service agreements, um, or that there will somehow, you know, as a lawyer, I didn't cover it all. I didn't have my arms around everything. And what we always say is, we just have not encountered that. We have not experienced, we've had judges that, I, I can't think of one that has had, had trouble with our limited appearances, with being in on a limited basis. Um, they just have been wonderfully receptive uh, to it. And, uh, you know, if you see that an issue in your clients, our duties are no different just because we're unbundling. If I see an issue pop up in my client's case, all I do is make them aware of it as I, as I would anyway, and say, I would be happy to help you with that. Here's a new services agreement and what that would cost. Would you like me to handle it? It's everything I was ever doing before, except that the conversation is much more intentional. Um, so yeah, just last point, um, I guess as far as favorites, because basically living in it is all our favorite. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have, we really, in terms of ourselves, we have built beautiful and growing uh, networking systems with other lawyers that are also now unbundling. It happened quite quickly, actually. And so maybe, maybe we take a case that is, uh, we call it a kitchen table divorce sometimes, meaning you sit down at the kitchen table, you do your deal, you let us know what that deal is, and then we'll do all your documents with a nice neat bow. And of course, we have that whole discussion of I can only represent one party. Um, and then we, uh, we recommend, advise, provide names if needed, and say, hey, other unrepresented person, 
why don't you go spend one hour with one of these other attorneys that does unbundled work so that you can make sure you have someone, you know, another set of legal eyes on this that can answer your questions, that can make sure that you feel comfortable with the deal before you sign on that dotted line. And so now we have that every day, all the time, where we have simple cases, flat fee basis, um, that, you know, it's just clockwork. They come in, they give us the deal, we, we get all the, everything wrapped up with one price, one bow, including the court costs, and it's all very amicable. Uh, it's just a really, it's fun to have a lot of that. It's real mm -hmm. fun. And, you know, we still have some of the, still have some of the stressful stuff too, but um, last point before I, I know we've <laughs> got 18 more questions we could answer and probably should, um, but the freedom of unbundling, if you ever wanted to take a vacation, Unbundling is where it's at. <laughs> I just came back from 18 days in Idaho and it was a fantastic vacation. I had shut off my email uh, the entire time. I was off the grid most of the time anyway, so no one could reach me. And when I came back, I had nothing. It took half a day to get caught up, maybe. There's a, because you can really plan for it when you have unbundled. And I love what you both kind of touched on with regards to clients and Andrea, what you said about kind of flexing that boundary muscle. I love that sort of thought around it. And then Amy, your, your point of that choices to clients is not a weird thing. It's a weird thing to lawyers. So I'm curious how you guys either in the beginning or even now, do you have clients who come in who have talked to five other lawyers and kind of gotten the same spiel and then they come to you? Are they expecting you guys, excuse me, you guys to say the same thing? And they're like really surprised when you say, oh no, there's this other way. Or has the market sort of been educated now that there are other options? And so the conversation with the client is not so much explaining what unbundling is, but is more focused on here are the services I think will meet your needs. Yeah, so at the beginning, it may have been uh, what you said, where at the beginning of the last shop, I guess I should say, it may have been what you said as the, they thought they were going to get the same thing when they walked in our office um, and they did not. Uh, now it is a lot of, we know that you offer something different and that's why we're calling you. Um, and so when, when we sit down with a client for their initial appointment, uh, it is not, we do, I don't say we do unbundled legal services, here's what that means, right? Like we, ex I explain it to them uh, on a spectrum. I say that on one side of the spectrum, you have minimum attorney involvement. On the other side, you have the maximum attorney involvement that more of what people think of when they hire a lawyer, that I'm there with you the whole time. I'm guiding you. I'm advising you. I'm drafting documents. I'm appearing in court, what have you, right? Um, whereas on the other end, then, is more, uh, it, it is, that's kind of the unbundled end, too. But it is, uh, actually, our whole spectrum is unbundled, but we can get more into that if you want. But <laughs> um, so on the lesser attorney end of that spectrum, right? is uh, where you know we can either coach you in the background of you representing yourself. Um, we can help you fill out those pro se forms, or uh, we can um, come in for one, one document prep, right? Like we can come in and draft one document that you need in, in your divorce or, or whatever, um, and then get out. Um, and then, you know, as you go along that spectrum, there's just different options and you can, um, you know, you can kind of pay as you go in that way too. Like I'm going to come in, I'm going to do the pleadings for you first, come back to me when you're ready for, we call them pretrial documents, um, in the divorce. Right. And then, um, and then after that, come back to me when you're ready for a mediation. Um, and, and a lot of people will do that or they'll, you know, pick and choose just what, what they want. We'll come in here and do this. 
um, go along on my own for a little while. Hey, can now can I have your help doing this, right? So yeah, we don't explain it like here's unbundled legal services. This is what it means, right? It is, this is how we do things. What, where do you, you know, after, and we always hear their story first before we give, before we give that spiel of the, the spectrum of services that we offer. And so after I give that spiel on the spectrum, it is, I will kind of, um, a lot of times I can gauge that where I would suggest <laughs> they fall on that spectrum as far as services based on their legal matter and their needs. And then, but I, I say, you know, where do you, where, what, where do you think we would be of the most value to or what do you think would, would help you the most, whatever. Sometimes their choice surprises you. Yeah, yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. So that's kind of how we go about explaining it. I guess we never have had to um, convert clients, you know, from traditional to unbundled. Um, they, like Amy said, like they expect there should be options. Like why haven't there always been these options, right? Like you should be able to walk in and say, I just need this document done. Can you do that for me? And frankly, like when we have our, uh, we, when we put on our spiels and our, our workshops or so many of you of, of, of lawyers have been unbundling for so long. You just have it called it that, right? Like you've, you've written a letter for a client and that's it. And, or you've done, you know, you've helped them prep this one document and that's it. But you just haven't been, or, you haven't called it that. You haven't been that intentional about it like we are now. So yeah, I mean, there hasn't, there wasn't though any conversion uh, happening there, right? Because um, our clients, I, they're very happy to hear that they have those options for sure, but it should have always been there too. And how did you guys, from a business perspective, figure out what was on your spectrum? Like this specific, I would draft this document or I would review these pleadings, like those specific services you're providing. How did you come up with those? And then from an even more business perspective on logistics, how did you figure out how to price them? Trial and error. We're like, so when we do like coaching then one on one with attorneys too, and when an attorney is trying to like, I want to, I want to do unbundling, I want to break up my practice area or whatever, I'll tell them, okay, we'll take your, take your practice area, take a, a case or a legal matter in that area, and break it up into certain chunks or, or whatever you want, right? And then see where where there may be a pause or where you can break it up, and then. Uh, you know, look at your past and see how long it's taken you to do that chunk or that document or, or what have you and, uh, and assign a price to it uh, based on your hourly rate and frankly, plus a premium if at a flat fee a lot of the times because um, the predictability of that flat fee of the flat fee that the clients are going to get when uh, you come in for a single service or, or multiple services here and there um, is worth a lot to them as well. Uh, so when we first started, we took our family law cases and uh, broke them down into, into different steps and some different documents, and we created a menu of services, we called it, uh, and assigned uh, prices to each of them. And uh, since it has evolved, though, and I'll let Amy kind of talk about how that has happened and where we're at now with how we uh, break things down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, what Andrea was saying, just that we, we initially started off with just when you have been practicing in, just pick one area of the law for a long time, there is a flow, right? So that you know what steps kind of go with your basic case, just your basic one. And there's always tangents, of course, that one, one matter or another can take. My first actual experience with unbundling, I would say, is real estate, which is a completely, it's like the easiest thing in the world to unbundle. Um, in the firm that I was in when I used to do a lot of real estate, uh, it was 
um, you kind of priced, if you were the closing agent, you sort of priced it according to like what everybody else in town was charging. And it never felt like enough to me for how much I was spent, how much time I was spending on it. And so I finally sat down and I made a list of, um, of, and again, I wasn't calling it unbundled. I was just thinking, I just feel like I should be paid something that has something, some relation to the time that this takes. And so I just said, okay, what does a title opinion cost? And of course, Iowa's a little different on real estate than any other state, but what does a, a purchase agreement, uh, how much time does that usually take me? And on my, based on my regular hourly rate, what would that average time look like? And I just created sort of a rate schedule from that, which in essence was just unbundling. And um, so that was sort of, my unintentional but first experience with it and uh my partner subsequently told me uh that uh i in one year doubled the income to the firm from the real estate matters that i was handling and in addition all the other attorneys in our very small town with eight lawyers matched my pricing so everybody came up from it and so that was the, sort of the first example when we made the with the last shop when we became intentional and started that with family law which is like frankly probably the hardest thing in the world to unbundle to a lot of people um we don't think so now but i mean it's a pretty big one to tackle uh when we started doing that as andrea mentioned we we started with a menu well we started by breaking down okay if we were to say what's really the mm -hmm. beginning of the case how to, what's what is the beginning for both parties and then what is the middle of that case? And you know, no fancy legal terminology, just what's, what are we doing in the middle? Well, we're gathering information and what, is, what are the parts and pieces of that? And then what does the end look like? And then it was, okay, within each of those categories, what are the steps that I'm going through in that case? And then it was, okay, if I were to put a price on this based on my average hourly rate, and as Andrea said, in, uh, in some instances, a premium, because people will happily pay that to know exactly what they're gonna pay. Um, and now it has really evolved to where we found the menu to actually become over time once you're experienced with it to become rather cumbersome and so we've switched it to basically we have of course we're doing podcasts so we can't show visual but now we basically have a one-page little flow chart with four major categories that range from basically self-representation and you pick a service or two or seven that you want us to do at flat fee prices the next one is our kitchen table. You know, we package that all up flat fee. The next one is traditional representation, which is, of course, what we've all seen before and that you have some options on how you can pay for that. Um, and uh, the final one is collaborative divorce, which is a team divorce. And so that's going to be your maximum professional role. So we just now we give them that sort of general uh, explanation of each of those categories. And we say you can mix and match for most of them. You can shift from one to the other. You can do a mm -hmm. kitchen table and add on two hours of, a, of general attorney time for advising if that's what you want. So um, it just sort of over time and evolved. But one thing that we really want to point out, um, especially for people who are just starting out with this, we think it's really important to give all options to all clients in all cases mm -hmm. and that's because for one it's like a doctor's office it's informed consent you get to choose your own adventure basically like choose how you want us involved yeah but and our ethical rules actually say that it has to be written informed consent to limit your representation I don't know if they do in Colorado but that's what ours say absolutely yeah. it's the same yeah. thing yeah, yeah. We, we're very strict on uh, signed agreements before we move on mm -hmm. anything. You, and for the flat fee ones, those are all uh, prepaid flat fees. Um, but uh, let's see here. Where was I going with that? So, so giving them those, yes. like, those options, all the options as part of that informed consent, right? And our ethical duty there and doing limited scope. So yes. they know that they could get this higher, you know, more attorney involvement 
service, but they're choosing to get a more limited involvement, right? Yeah, and this is why a partner's important. She can pick up my thoughts when I lose them, which is often. Um, <laughs> but the beauty also of, of giving all options all the, you know, to all clients is that even if they choose traditional representation, the exact same thing they could have gotten somewhere else, right? Mm -hmm. We've now created a little mini ambassador. That person now, if they have their friend or neighbor or colleague who's getting a divorce, can now say, gosh, you know, you guys get along so well, or you know, maybe you guys would be a fit for this other thing that I heard about at the law shop. Mm -hmm. So it's just a matter of marketing is a part of it as well. So I want to tease out something that you um, mentioned in terms of practice area, because if anyone listening is paying attention, we've got fit four family law attorneys on the show. Um, and you had mentioned that you did this with real estate. Now, I also do it with attorney ethics and regulation, but you do um, public utility law. So how many different practice areas have you seen unbundling is in? Is it limited just to family law? It's not. Um, I'll, I'll I don't think it's, yeah. It, it, there are some, in, we've come across, you know, um, really off the top of my head, one instance where it really wasn't appropriate and it was a, what was it? A, it was a personal injury. Or a personal injury. Yeah, personal injury action. Um, and uh, it, we just decided after further discussion with each other, with our other our associate attorney and, and the client, that um, that that was not an appropriate spot for limited scope. Um, and then the practice areas that really, from our research uh, and just kind of pulling of um, the judges and, and court staff and stuff too, uh, that really need that unbundling more. Um, family law is a huge one. Uh, creditor debtor, creditor debtor, um, creditor debtor. <laughs> Sorry, um, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and landlord tenant. Those yeah. are the three areas that the courts have said uh, really need it and have such a high volume of pro se litigants. And so they need that unbundling more. Uh, but I think it can be done in so many different practice areas. Um, you just have to, I mean, like, like we said, you know, come up with your practice area, break it down, um, and, and how can you do that, and, uh, and go from there, and see, see if it works, right? So y'all have alluded to this, but let's get down to brass tacks. Can you seriously make money offering unbundled legal services? Yes, you yes. can. You can make you can make a very healthy living doing unbundled legal services. Uh, I mean, Amy mentioned it a little bit earlier, but um, you have your the client's fee is so predictable to them, and it's also due before or at the time of service. So whatever service they're getting, they are paying either into the trust into your trust account for that or they're paying, coming in um, knowing what service they're getting at that appointment and they're paying you for that service at that appointment. Um, so, so yes, it, I mean, you're receiving, like, I mean, pretty much 100% of what you're billing you're receiving because it's due, it's due right then and there. Uh, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm just going to tack on to that, uh, that we need to go back. Frankly, it's just been an insanely crazy busy year plus then COVID and all that. So we need to go back and do a little more analysis on the numbers. But um, I know that towards the end of last year, we were talking about just what we were on track for like November, mm -hmm. December and the difference between 2018 when we were still, you know, getting our feet under us and everything in 2019 that we were on track for a 40% increase in revenues to the firm. And that was including two months of Andrea being on maternity leave that was all paid. So like it works. I, there's yeah. just no way around it. It, it. I think a lot of 
the fear and trepidation is I'm going to get stuck in this case and I won't be able to get out and I won't be able to get paid. That's where the efficiency comes in. That's where you have to plan. Um, we have a, an amazing, amazing, we call her our chaos coordinator, who is kind of our front, you know, she's our, she's our, our gate. Yeah. She's the gatekeeper of all. Yeah. We didn't have that in the beginning. So you don't have to have that to get rolling. But once you do, it, that's a really useful person to have, but it, it's not absolutely necessary, but everything we do, we really, try to periodically analyze and say, is there a more efficient way that we could be doing this? Is there a better form we could be providing mm -hmm. the client? Is there a better way we can utilize our staff? Is there, you know, how every, should we be digital on, on this? Would that speed up the process? So we're constantly reevaluating um, where we're losing uh, mm -hmm. time and then therefore money on the process. And so. people think, I think that there's a perception by lawyers too, that they think, well, we're going to get all the legal aid rejects basically, <laughs> yeah. right? Like here's the people that market is the people that um, don't qualify or can't get the, the legal aid pro bono, right? Um, or they're just looking, they're going to come to you looking for pro bono. No, that's, that's not the case, okay? We are not a legal aid. We are not a nonprofit. We are a private law firm. And uh, we, I mean, it's so much, it's just so much easier for the client to swallow. I mean, yeah, they may not be able to afford a $5,000 retainer, some of them, um, but they can afford to pay you an, for an hour of your time for you to help them in the most valuable spot of your case. They can, they can swallow that. Right. Um, and, and, and then you, and you can help them. And so, uh, and a lot of times too, it is, I mean, there are so many people that they could afford to pay that $5,000 retainer. They just, they don't want their money to go to legal fees. Right. And so, uh, they, they, and they come in here and they realize, uh, you know, that we can uh, help give them other options and, and help them in different ways. And then frankly, most of the time when someone comes in for one service, they get that service and then they're like, oh, wow, I can really see the value that you add to this process now and what you can give me. I want you to take the rest or I want you to do next to this for me. Right. Um, and so it's, it's also a way to get people in your door. It's another tool in your tool in your toolbox that if you offer this, right. And they come in looking for that, they're, you're going to, they're going to get that, but then they're going to realize what value you add to it. And they're going to come back for more. I like to tell people that you might, um, think someone can't necessarily afford a new car, but they can definitely find the money to fix it. Um, and so that's where unbundling comes in. Yeah. There, it's an easier ask too. sometimes an individual um, who doesn't have the, the financial means to hire an attorney for full service. It's a much easier ask for local organizations, charities, churches. We've had a lot of those where um, the, the person does a shop eval, which is a, a shop evaluation is our, our first appointment with all clients um, just to as assess their situation and create a legal plan basically for them, which may or may not involve us going forward. Um, they get that one time. And then after that, if we, you know, we can close, quote them a, a flat fee price to help with the mo whatever we, wherever we can be the most effective. If they're getting assistance from someone, that's a much, much um, easier ask. But by and large, uh, clients are just thrilled to have, they're just thrilled to have the option to be able to um, spend a little bit less, have a little bit more control. Mm -hmm. We have clients that range from, um, you know, from truly not being able to afford much for legal services clear up to you know multi-millionaires and um i find that frankly they're they're just much easier to help a wise colleague once said to us 
it's wonderful to do pro bono. Just make sure that it's a decision that's made at the beginning of the case. <laughs> so that's what we're doing. <laughs> Perfect. You guys have given us so much information today. If anyone listening wants to learn more or wants to contact you guys directly and get that wealth of knowledge and that enthusiasm, um, where can they go and what would you recommend they, where they start? Yeah, so we have, um, we have a, a website for our firm, um, lawshop.net, and uh, Amy and I, uh, we can provide our contact information or, or our emails then to your listeners too. Um, otherwise, uh, there, are, there is a lot of literature out there on unbundling, um, and that's kind of how we first learned about it was on the, on the national seminar level. Um, and so putting yourself out there, there's a study too, I know in uh, Canada that uh, on unbundling and like client satisfaction, lawyer satisfaction, um, that was pretty interesting. That uh, was John Paul Boyd that mm -hmm. did that. So, uh, and spelled just like it sounds, John Paul Boyd that did that study. Um, and uh, he presented but we listened to him present, I think like maybe a year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And it was just fascinating. Um, the statistics that they were finding in Canada about the level of satisfaction between both attorney and client as to the experience with it, um, the affordability of it, all those sorts of things. Uh, we do offer workshops and virtual coaching as well. Um, so of course the law shop is happy to help in any way we can. Well, and to uh, finish up on some Colorado resources, um, we will be posting um, Amy and Andrea's information on the MLPI community page through the C um, CBA's website, um, and also on the uh, community page we have, we actually wrote a booklet, MLPI did, um, called Practical and Ethical Considerations to Integrating Unbundled Legal Services, and is boring as that title sounds, it's got a wealth, the opposite of wealth of information. So it's a fantastic resource. So you can definitely check that out. And if you have any questions for our presenters or any topics you would like covered in a future podcast, uh, just call our How to Start a Revolution helpline and leave us a message. We will actually play your question on the next podcast and provide an answer. So be sure to leave your name, the name of your firm or organization so that everyone knows who their fellow revolutionaries are. And that helpline number is 303 824 5399. Again, it's 303-824-5399. It will also be posted on the MLPI community page. We welcome everyone to the revolution. If you've got questions, we've definitely got answers. Don't miss our next episode on Modern Marketing 101. Um, thank you our guests most of all for being with us today and the information and the enthusiasm and everything that you supplied to our listeners today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and thank our listeners for joining us and thank you for joining the revolution. Mm -hmm.